Aha, uh -huh. well, good thing it wasn't in the middle of a discussion. It's my honey bunny. I better find out what's going on. Uh, hello? Hello. What are you doing? Uh, well, I'm at the mountain waiting for my to get here. Okay. I'm in a cabin recording a podcast. Aha, uh -huh. I'm sorry. Never it's mind. okay. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs> Uh, okay, the smooth segue into... Hi, my name's Andrew Hart. And I'm Rob Unk. Together we're creating a short documentary film about what we think is a very special place in the world, part of northern Sweden known simply as the High Coast. Today, however, we're coming to you from a small cabin that sits smack on top of a giant building in central Stockholm. In a busy city, with our busy lives, we thought it might help to hole up here occasionally for a couple of hours and take some time to brainstorm and plan about our project. In this pod, and what we think will be a short but potentially intense series of discussions, we hope to hash out, or maybe clash out, the blueprint for this film, which goes under the imaginative code name High Coast Film. <laughs> citizen. I uh, went to the University of Illinois and have a degree in French, which I've never used. Um, I moved to Sweden in 98 with my honey bunny uh, and now my wife, Gudrun. And um, since then, I have been doing various jobs in communication that have very little to do with French. But uh, I find communication is something I have to do. Um, I'm not the most talkative person, but you put me in a room with a typewriter or a computer or a whatever, and you're going to find that I'm going to end up doing stuff. And so I've been doing stuff here um, for the entire time that's to do with communications, and, and more and more it's becoming film and music and things like that if I get to choose. Um, that's how come this whole project came up is because it's irresistible. I'm irresistibly drawn to things that are kind of media-y. Um, I have two kids. Um, I've got a summer house on the high coast, which sounds exciting if you aren't from Sweden. But if you're from Sweden, you know that a summer house can be anything from an 11 square meter little shack to, to a mansion. And, and mine is somewhere in between. It's more, it's more modest. And, and that's what my connection to the high coast is. Um, having the having the summer house up there. Editorial lead is my role in the project, and um, editorial lead I think in a lot of ways to me means um, head storyteller um, and somebody to organize the research and the technical aspects and the storytelling aspects. And in fact, um, a lot of it has been grant writing so far just putting pen to paper and getting these things out the door to various people and that's what it's that's a lot of that is going to be so i'm rob as i mentioned before and i'm uh in relation to the film i'm production lead and so i guess that means that i'm somewhat responsible for figuring out how to get this thing on film as far as equipment and photography and editing i came to sweden uh first as an exchange student in high school and spent a year here and really fell in love with the country i met uh a girl at that time when I was a teenager and then later um, after uh, many years apart we met again and now we have been um, married for about over five years and I've been living in Sweden for six years. Happy to be here. Yeah, in a nutshell. Yeah. 
<clears throat> I guess um, we probably left out lots and lots of things that are oh, yeah. interesting <laughs> or germane to the project, but um, exactly. it's all going to come back, and that gives us a little bit more leeway to talk about ourselves right. later on. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> Yeah. How do you want to talk about uh, the su summary of how we came to the idea for the film? Well, I think that I should start because it really, it really does start with you. And um, we, well, we're connected by our daughters or bonus daughters. Um, and we didn't know each other that well before about last year. And, um, and we meet for lunch uh, downtown since I, I live and work in downtown Stockholm and your, your office is in downtown Stockholm, not far away from me. So we eat lunch quite often, in fact. And yeah. um, you came to me one day and said, oh, yeah, I saw my, um, saw my uh, well, f former colleague, right, right. Um, who went to work at National Geographic. And she said, oh, you know, we're, we're looking for ideas for films and you should come. Uh, we should have lunch, right. and so you told me about told me about that, and then a little while later you told me about the lunch that you had, um, and uh, and the idea that you pitched. Um, yeah. I didn't understand myself that it was a pitch that you were supposed to be giving at that lunch. I thought you were just going to meet for lunch and talk about stuff, but it sounded like she was actually you know sitting there. Okay, tell me got? about tell what do you got? <laughs> yeah, and and so she said, what do you got? And you go. Do you want me to say? Yeah. <laughs> I go, I go, I've always wanted to do, uh, I've been thinking lately about doing a documentary on people who moved to Sweden for love. And she looked at me kind of like you're looking at me now. <laughs> and she said, she said, oh, well, that's interesting. Uh, you know, I went into a little bit more detail than this. But uh, she said, uh, that might be something more for like a commercial Swedish television channel. You know, like maybe TV4 or something might be interested in something like that. But, uh, you know, we're looking for more things about, you know, what would be more appropriate for National Geographic. I think that so. your idea told, tells, tells everyone a lot about you, yeah. because you, you're a very positive person and you have a definite <laughs> romantic streak, and uh, I think that uh, I think that's totally in line with your personality. I still want to make that documentary. Well, yeah. <laughs> I think you would do it really, really well. Um, but I understand why National Geographic is like, Right. Not really, yeah. So, yeah, you, co you come to the next lunch and you tell me that story. Right. And I don't remember why exactly I wasn't more diplomatic, but I w went something to the effect, and I, 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 because we're friends, and I think I can say this, uh, I said something along the like, you pitched that to National Geographic? Yeah. You didn't have any plan B other idea. Have you seen National Geographic ever? Right. <laughs> I think I said, and I, I was just, just trying to be funny, but um, yeah. Um, and so I felt feeling in a frisky mood and slightly provoked. You know, I, I thought, oh, I can come up with an idea like something about the high coast. Yeah. And um, and I think at the very beginning, I just threw that out there, yeah. and. Um, I think the initial motivation I gave, you know, why the high coast would have been something along the lines of, oh, it's beautiful there, and when the fog rolls off the water and the over the mountains, and it's it's like Norway light with you know the green valleys and the tall mountains, and yeah, okay, um, sounds really nice. You know, it's like a ten-minute button between you know commercials on National <laughs> Geographic, maybe, but. You know, in retrospect, I say, well, that does not a film make. Right. So um, we, I, I, th I think we pitched ideas back and forth about like yeah. fishermen, yeah. Um, the fishing industry there that's you know slowly been dying, 
um, because, well, because of various factors. But um, yeah, the, the, the last of the fishermen, you know, the last generation of fishermen may be there right now. And then that's another interesting topic, but maybe that's, that's more of like a, a short article on a, on a, you know, culture program. Uh, than it is a, a documentary film, so we started started kept on trying to develop ideas and things, and um, and I have a I have a well let's see it's my wife's cousin's wife, Annalie, right. who's a who's um, who's actually got a degree as in in archaeology, and um, she's really keen on the archaeology up there, and then there's also this thing with the uh, the land rising out of the water there it's been doing that for 11,000 years since the <clears throat> glaciers started retreating um, and it's been rising by like a centimeter a year sometimes it's just it's incredibly fast it's like a ferrari of geology and it's pretty unique in the world that's another thing that we thought oh that's interesting we can explore that and mm, so okay we came up with some ideas and we put them all down in in a in a uh, in a proposal um, and sent that over to National Geographic, and uh, and they accepted our pre-proposal on the basis of an email. Really, I think we sent them yeah about a hundred words, mm -hmm. and they were like, "Oh, that sounds interesting." And at that at that early point, I was more in the contact with National Geographic, so you would write a bunch of stuff, and you would you worked extremely hard on the on the um, proposal, and then I would kind of. Send ask questions to the our contact at National Geographic based on what you wanted me to ask and, and things and what we we discussed and then I would come back to you and say well they said this is cool you know and to go to the next step and everything so right kind of cool. yeah well fortunately a lot of the work that we put in on this pre-application because we were, we were really racing against the clock we essentially had a month almost to the yeah. day to put together both the pre-proposal and the main proposal and if we'd read the guidelines carefully i think we would have seen that even on the pre-proposal they want you to give them a month to respond on it so it was pretty lucky that we had right. the contacts that we did because we could send them the email with maybe i think we had 200 words or something like that that um, explained what we were thinking about the project and um, the the contact there could say ah that's you're on the right track send us your full proposal and then we get the link to the full proposal and it's a huge job and so we learned about how to to um, to apply for funding from National Geographic. And while the coincidence of meeting your contact there and getting a lunch with her and um, all this other stuff kind of kicked the project into into motion. And uh, neither of us, I think, had considered having a documentary be our first movie. But on the other hand, I think it's probably a good place to start. I don't know what you think about that. Oh, I think it is. I mean, uh, I, I um, have heard several times that if you want to learn storytelling and um, on film, you know, make a documentary. Um, and it sounds kind of strange to say that because you think, what do you mean? You know, I mean, if you're making up a story and a script, then then you maybe should study at movies that are, have, have fictional stories, but they say that it really helps to learn how to tell a story filmically by making a documentary, learning how to edit, and, and finding the story in what you're filming. And I just want to go back really quick and say that the thing that really sold me on the, the, the idea that really made me want to do this was when you described to me um, very visually the idea of the fog and saying like when the, if the fog comes in there, then sometimes the, the bits of land that are appearing above the fog can show you like how much land, ha, where, where, water wa, where water was 
uh, back um, previously before the land rose through the water yeah. to today, today's levels. Yeah, I would love to do that. Yeah. And this summer I was looking for fog and getting up early and, and I realize now that that's awfully optimistic. I hope it's a really foggy summer next summer. <laughs> <clears throat> but the, you know, one, one thing that you can do is turn that around because oftentimes it's not a, you're not able to get above the fog, but you're below the fog and everything below the fog is quite clear. And you have to imagine that you're underwater, you're, you're taking the fish view yeah. <laughs> of things and looking up and you know all of this that we see now would be underwater and then maybe you can dissolve to a, a clear day yeah. and then you see everything that appears above water and then and then you get a sense but you know i still am holding out some hope for the for the fog yeah, i hope so too what have we done so far well what have we done so far we have um well we've first and foremost we've filled up filled out a, or, or created a grant proposal for National Geographic. And when you say we, you really mean you. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I would say that Drew did the, you know, the, the vast majority of the work on that. I did, um, I did my part, which was um, a little bit of the equipment um, considerations, but you were really the driver on that. Right. We, we've recruited a team, I guess. Some, I, in, in the ter you know, we put a lot of the stuff in National Geographic terms at this point for lack of a more convenient way of talking about things. But for, for their purposes, I'm the primary investigator, the PI. Correct. And then I have a team around me, and um, they are formally put on there as, as sort of my team. And that, that's Rob, um, who's the technical person. And I'm really going to rely on him to be my sanity checker when it comes to all of this you know, what are, what, what are the topics that we're going to cover? How are we going to cover them? Um, and then also uh, Anneli, um, who, who is, who know, what she doesn't know about the high coasts archaeology just isn't worth knowing. Um, she's actually, she's on the team. Um, although we do have contacts up there, um, David Leffler at the museum up there, who is an archaeologist, knows everything as, as well as a great resource, but he has a day job and he can't, he can't be part of the team, but he has been accessible as a resource. Fantastic. Um, so that's the team. It's me and Rob and Anneli. Um, who, who are going to be the core of this. And, and it'll be Rob and I who will be the two guys um, out on the trail next summer. And we'll get to talk more about that, I think. But um, so, yeah, we put so together we, the proposal. So, right, yeah, put together the proposal, assembled the team, tried to describe in a way that appealed to National Geographic what we would be exploring and what we might discover. And um, the, the further along we come in the project, the more I think that that, you know, those things are still accessible. What we would discover would be um, potentially um, new archeological, or archeological remains that are not yet cataloged in the system that um, Sweden has for those. For those. Um, it's, important, it's important for them to be cataloged and located on this, this mapping um, application that they have because all the forestry that's going on in northern Sweden, if you have a giant forest harvesting machine and you drive it over a ancient, you know, burial place or um, house foundation, that thing is toast. They, they, they do not hold up well against these machines. So that's why it's really important. We hope to find a new one, one that the locals know about um, and that we can um, then bring um, David Leffler from the museum in his official capacity to have a look at it, um, assess whether it's, it is uh, an actual significant pile of rocks or whether it's just a uh, naturally occurring pile of rocks. And um, so we'd like to discover a new 
a new place um, to put on the map and uh, stick our little National Geographic flag in there or whatever for 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 their um, you know they they want six minutes of video and ten still photographs is what they say they want first dibs on um, and I, I don't see that that would be any problem at all um, the other aspect of discovery has to do with the geography with the land rising up out of the sea really really fast and the way we made that really concrete was that you could take a toddler a two-year-old and have them splash and swim up to their you know sh shoulders in, in water but in at their retirement party uh, 67 65 years later or whatever when they're that could be dry land and that's extraordinary you could walk on that same patch you know that same spot on the earth um, in your best leather shoes and not even get wet and that's amazing that's amazing that you see that geog geology happening in a lifetime so we want to discuss you know discuss how this new land emerges who it belongs to when it comes out of the water um, we want to project forward into like what shallow places are going to be, you know, impassable to boats soon or going to be dry land when we're, you know, walking around with canes, Rob and I. <clears throat> um, and then also, you know, we can go back in the past and there's striking examples of how um, fishing harbors have become obsolete because the water retreated and they couldn't get their fishing boats into the harbor anymore after blasting and moving rocks by hand and all that other stuff um so that you know that's that's more that's not so much what we've done but that 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 is important it was important to come up with those two aspects for for national geographics pur purposes to say ah you know this is what we hope to discover so that proposal went out and then we uh, sort of made plans to go out in the high coast this summer and um, meet people and talk up the film and okay yes and no I had a lot of things in the calendar and a lot of high uh, hopes for what we could do but it takes a lot of time and um, and I don't know it takes a lot of faith too you have to be confident that you have something that people will believe in right uh, even if you don't believe it yourself every <laughs> waking hour of every day <laughs> Um, especially never having made a film before, I don't have a good concept of what's possible. But we did go to a giant festival, a music festival, and stood out in outside one day with our tent and our banner and our business cards, and we gathered email addresses and talked to people and made people aware that we're going to be out there next summer making a movie about geology, archaeology, and two guys walking until their feet are really sore every day. Yes. <laughs> And I can add that um, what what I've done is I've gone up to the high coast area a couple of times this year, two or three times, um, and uh, done some some kind of filming tests with you, um, taking some of my equipment up there, and we and you've you've also filmed yourself. You also filmed an interview with um, David Leffler, and um, uh, and I filmed an interview with you, and we went out into the high coast trail area and filmed some of the things we could see there and we've, we've put together a little bit of an explainer video um, kind of as a test to see if we had anything at all if we could make anything at all from what we had had filmed and um, it's okay I mean it's it's uh, I think that um, I was pleased with the result and that I, the way I say it is that um, if this were the final film I don't think I'd be super happy with quality but as like a, a test from the beginning when we're just brand new to it then it gave me hope that that uh, we are on the right track and that we will be able to make something that looks um, nice and is an interesting 
interesting topic. Yeah, I was actually very pleased with what you did with the footage we had because um, it, it tells a coherent story and it uh, has a really great uh, little, yeah, it grabs you at the end there and you feel a little verklempt when you see the moon setting over the horizon and talking about uh, our place on earth and in a, you know being a person, being people in a changing world, humans in a changing world. I get verklempt just thinking, <laughs> thinking about it. So it was brilliant. It's it, uh, a testament to your experience and your skill in editing. Um, so I, I have to say I was very pleased with the result that I'm we got. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. I think one thing that we need to uh, mention about the high coast area is that it is a United Nations World Heritage Area um, based on its geological significance. So <clears throat> that, um, that immediately gives you a lot of access to data, um, maps, and um, geological surveys of the area and all kinds of stuff that's really helpful to our project. If we'd been in godforsaken, you know, middle of Sweden, middle of nowhere, it would have been really hard to do this. Um, but the fact is, because it is a World Heritage Area, there is there is a lot of data out there on it. And so that that's something that's important to know. And, and it, draw, it does draw tourists from all over the world um, that come there. I know that there's um, a couple of um, like camping experience businesses there that do a great deal of business in Asia. And I know from personal experience that I see cars from the Netherlands and Germany and Italy, um, Norwegians as well. But I mean, um, that's that's you know they're the neighbors. Um, so th there is a fair amount of interest there, and that gives me some hope that perhaps there's a, a market for the movie that we hope to make um, in the in the in the wide world, and, and it gives us um, a little better reason to do the whole thing in English, yeah. um, which is actually one thing that we've discovered about the high coast is that, yeah, English spoken here, but not that much all the time. Not everyone does. No, but I also think that National Geographic, I think that they want it to be in English as well, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if, if, if we're going to... One thing I do would like to mention, I'm sorry, I'm kind of jumping back a little bit, is I want to mention that we're still waiting to hear if we get a grant from <laughs> National Geographic. That's so true. We should hear sometime next month. I don't know if that means in two weeks or if that means in, in six weeks, but but uh, in October was when um, I believe that they were going to let us know if we, if we um, were... Uh, granted uh, right. a little bit of funding for this um, yeah. and uh, so I think that if we do get uh, funding from National Geographic then I believe that we have to do it in English I think so because I want it for their international website and things I guess we could always do subtitles but yeah or narration over or, or narration yeah. but uh, yeah. uh, I, I do like the idea of doing it in, in English um, uh, most Swedes uh, can understand English even even better than they can speak it if they and most of them speak it incredibly well so Right. I'm not worried about that. And well, we gave a short speech at Anneli's um, farm uh, for interested people who, who we managed to pull together for that. And I didn't feel entirely comfortable giving that speech entirely in English. Um, I felt that there were some people there, you know, older people and younger people who, yeah, they really wanted to be polite and they were trying, at least for a while. But then, yeah. So we did um, actually make subtitles for our explainer film. That's true. Uh, which we sent a sort of exclusive link out to begin with to people we met at the um, at the festival, music festival up there. Um, and but, I think that we can share the link with the people, with the listeners of this podcast, all, all three of you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, you and you. <laughs> so, uh, 
So uh, maybe I was shooting. Uh, I was I was aiming high with the number three. But um, <laughs> anyway, uh, we'll at the end we'll add um, we'll let you know where you can see that explainer video. So you're part of the first exclusive uh, viewers. Right. There is one thing that I talked about to a friend of mine who does documentary films just the other weekend up, up in, in the High Coast area when we were there together playing music. And he said, um, wow, you know, a lot of the stuff that you talked about is how concerned you are about the technical aspects and whether, it's, you know, you're going to be able to put cameras in there or how the, whether to use color profile this or the, how hard color grading is. And, oh. and <clears throat> he's like, but you don't have a movie to make until you get the the um the story yeah um so he was emphatic about that and um so i'm trying to really take that to heart because i'm a bit of a nerd when it comes to the technical aspects as well uh, well i'm not calling you a nerd but i i i, <laughs> I absolutely am one. <laughs> oh okay guilty as charged then um, um yeah go ahead so yeah, no, the the explainer part is, and and the technical tests we've made that were kind of in the background for you know the the background for this explainer film, not that useful from the actual story perspective, and there's a lot of work to do there, and that'll be that's going to be maybe the next you know pod. How, how what are our topics? How do we start to tell a story about this? Um, and I really want to dive into that. But uh, we'll we'll refrain at this point. But yeah. um, we'll point people, all two of you, to the <laughs> explainer film to have a look. It's three minutes long. It's it's not the worst three minutes you'll ever spend in your life. It's not a complete waste. I promise. Maybe the ten minutes you don't want to expend is on a, a documentary clip that Rob brought to me about two Australian guys. Um, Rob can maybe set up that clip because I think we should put a link to that and I think we should react to that because yeah, absolutely. In, in contrast to our explainer. <laughs> right. So I, I don't know how I found this uh, clip. I don't remember how I found it. I think it was just a, just a suggested video after a YouTube video I watched, you know, when the, all the different su uh, suggestions come up. I clicked on it and it was a, some kind of an Australian either uh, television show or documentary series called All For Adventure. And um, in this clip, I'm laughing already. <laughs> no, wait, this didn't come up as a suggested uh, film after our explainer film, did no. it? Do, do you know who comes no, up no, after our explainer? I actually know, that's a good idea. I I, I, that I'm out. really I'm curious now. <laughs> but in this clip, there's two guys that are driving, what are those vehicles, 4x4s? Yeah, they they're so like Land Rovers. Four-wheel four drive like, Land Rover vehicles. Yeah, Land Rover types. And um, one guy goes through this small, small little bit of water in kind of a muddy area and in his vehicle and then the guy following him goes through as well yeah. but the cameraman was waving his arms like don't go through yet and he didn't understand why and the camera said the cameraman said i wasn't rolling you got to go back and do that again so he goes back and he does it the second time and he gets stuck in this bit of water because the, the it's like a mud flat opposite to our uh, opposite to the high coast, the water was rising very quickly in this part because of the tide was coming in. Yeah. So the water was coming up through the sand or the mud. Uh, and so they get stuck and then it just becomes a series of them with their attempts to get um, unstuck. So first the, the, the truck that isn't stuck is towing out the truck that is stuck and then that gets stuck. So now they're both stuck. Yeah, that's why they have to rush desperately to get the other truck that's less stuck unstuck. 
and then the process where they roll it over. Right, and then once yeah. they finally get it unstuck, he tries again, and he rolls over, yeah. and then they have to figure out how to how to take a right to the a truck to a tree, yeah. and, and then they get stuck again, and it just becomes a comedy of errors. Yeah. And um, they are so frustrated at one all of this because the cameraman said, "Could you please do that one more time?" Because he wasn't on the job and filming when he should have gotten the first pass through the water. Right, and uh, at one point. The guys get so frustrated they even say they, they even say to themselves the name of their movie or their television show is All for Adventure and he was like, All for Adventure, my blank. <laughs> he was so so frustrated, like I I quit, you know. <laughs> and uh, but it has a happy ending, but the comedy to get there. But anyway, what we really want to uh, address there is that it seemed that these were the kind of um, they were kind of interested in this idea of kind of conquering nature. Right. You know, going out and being Ubermen and, and super macho men and like we're going to conquer nature and we're gonna drive over everything with our gas guzzling Land Rovers and and they got stuck by, you know, nature you know, stopped them in their tracks literally and right. made had to make them pause. And yeah. and we don't have that attitude about nature. No, no. I it's mean they were they thought. were killed of you know well not killed, but they were they were they were skewered on their own egos there. Right. The need to make the film uh, and yeah, their risk-taking. Um, having watched that clip and not having read into their story or watched anything else, that clip in isolation, how many how many views does it have? It has like 60,000 or something. Yeah, I think. it's got quite a few. It's, it's somewhere in that neighborhood, I think. And um, I don't know where they're going, from where to where or why. Um, and in that particular clip, it's not important. No, in that to, clip, it's not. No, and um, so you know, I, I for better I, or worse, that clip has a story. That cl that clip is a story. <laughs> it's yeah. a story of two guys that get stuck and how they get unstuck. You know, yeah, like, the, the, in the simplest terms. You wonder how will they get out of this? Right, right. How will they get out of this? So, so yeah, it's it's all fast moving. It's you know high energy. It's running around. It's dangerous. Um, they could lose. They they could be injured. They could lose all of their equipment. Um, all kinds of things could happen there. So it was very it was very dramatic. But um, I didn't find it very compelling on on. Like why, um, I felt like those guys can just blame themselves. I mean, who cares? Um, they, you know, they they manufactured that situation for themselves to a certain extent. And I'm not saying they got stuck on purpose, no. but I mean, there is. There, I don't feel they weren't really doing exploring. They're doing joyriding uh, with their Land Rovers, and that I don't find to be very satisfying from no. a storytelling perspective. And I found the, the clip so funny because I, it, it actually reminded me of a fake documentary, like a, you know, like a mockumentary film. Like it was so over the top, and, and the way that they had every single sponsor of their film, uh, the logo of every single sponsor of their film, on their shirts, yeah, and yeah. on their and on their and on their vehicles, which I guess is kind of more normal for something that's maybe vehicle based, kind of like race car drivers. Yeah, things. yeah, like rally but drivers. They look still, like Dracar rally. Right. Know? It still looked comical to see them covered in sponsor logos as they're trying to dig out of mud and tipping their vehicles and and yeah. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, very exciting, and uh, it was interesting to look at it. You know, how was it filmed? You know, how shaky was 
okay and how shaky wasn't okay and um, how concerned were they with focus and things like that. And you brought other, you know, documentary clips from both from National Geographic and others that had varying technical qualities. Right. Um, and some of them had great stories and some of them didn't and, and moments. Moments are another kind of, I, I don't know, is, is a moment a story? Well, it can be. Yeah. I mean, a moment can be a story. It's mm -hmm. a, it's, but, uh, you know, for example, in that Off Our Adventure clip, I think the one thing that I did appreciate about the editing was there was definitely, they had a GoPro in, in the vehicles, in each vehicle, mm -hmm. capturing the men as they were driving. And um, there was definitely a, a period of time when one of them left his vehicle to try to dig out the other one, and that GoPro kept running. And they and so they used that clip. They time lapsed it or sped it up as quickly as they could to show the water rising. Yeah. And I thought that that part I gave the editor or whoever I gave him a little credit. Like there, that was that was like a, a you know a happy accident. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they the, the found GoPro money was, there. Yeah. Was just st stuck on the dash or uh, on the window uh, of the car. Uh, to happen to point out the window. It was pointing out the window, yeah. and I was perfectly able to ca capture the water rising through the yeah. through the mud. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and but uh, yeah, it was. Not the kind of documentary we're trying to make. No, so. another special thing about that clip, and uh, something that'd be very big contrast to what we're doing, is that that was actually the clip was ten minutes long, yeah. and I feel like that situation lasted. It felt like it maybe didn't last much more than ten minutes. Oh, in real life, you mean? Yeah, in real life. Mm. I mean, okay, maybe it was twenty minutes or something like that. But it was you didn't get a feeling that it had been condensed. No. Um, maybe that's just because they were skillful editors, or maybe it was because it didn't take much longer than the 10 or 12 minutes that uh, that we watched on YouTube. Our movie is going to be different. Um, yeah. We're going to hike 129 kilometers, and um, it's going to take two weeks is what we think, and we're going to have a movie when we're done that's, you know, well, we don't really know, but shooting somewhere between 20 and 50 minutes, probably. And that um, will be highly compressed. Um, so yeah. to spend 10 minutes on one 20-minute moment is not going to happen in our film, probably. No, no, and, and the more I think about it, the more limiting I think it's going to be in terms of what kind of themes we can um, overtly sort of treat. Um, yeah, 20 minutes uh, out of two weeks, uh, well, the, the people I know in documentary film, they say, oh, you think you're going to make a movie for in two weeks? You know, you'll never have enough material. Um, oh, well, I guess we'll find out next summer. Right. But, um, yeah, you should look at the All for Adventure clip. Um, it's, it's entertaining, and um, I would be curious to know what people think about the storytelling there. I thought it was really exciting and profoundly unsatisfying on an on a intellectual level. I found it unsatisfying on, a, on an intellectual level and very satisfying on a comical level. I was, it, it made me laugh. I, I made me. I want to just point out. It made me laugh because at the end the guys were okay. I don't want anybody to to literally fit, suffer physically for for me to laugh at. I wouldn't laugh at them if they seriously got hurt or anything. But uh, just witnessing their frustration and like trying to make this television show and like kind of cursing the show and <laughs> and the cameraman. <laughs> the other thing is that I feel that if we were in a situation where we need some help like that and if we had people with us on the trail filming and we don't know if we will or not, but I would just ask the camera person to use, put put the camera on a tripod and come help us dig the wheel out, you know, or whatever. Yeah. And it's like handheld camera the whole time and everything. And so the cameramen, they were not helping. And there's even tripods in the background, like on the 
on the ground. <laughs> yeah, no, you, you have to wonder whether, you know, there's like different kinds of insur insurance for your shoots. One that it includes, you know, everyone's helping and the other one that includes, you know, no one's helping. Yeah, and then you pay a, a slightly higher um, premium for that. Maybe that's it. <laughs> well, we can leave that, yeah. I think. Um, I would, I'm always interested to see these sort of clips, short ones. I don't have a lot of time to watch YouTube. But I'm happy that Rob brought that one to me. And um, if one of our two listeners had anything that they thought was interesting or illustrative or um, funny, um, be curious to hear about those too. That can uh, lead us into how people could contact us. Well, see, if uh, I were going to find us, uh, yeah. the first thing that I would do is I would go to highcoastfilm.se. Um, that one's the easiest one to, to remember. And if you go in on highcoastfilm.se, you see our rather neglected blog at the moment, although we do have several drafts in, in progress at the moment to our, to in our defense. In addition to things like video clips, content like that, um, of some of the early time lapses I did with Fog, or probably eventually now our, our little explainer film. Um, the other thing that you find there is links to all of our social media outlets, and that includes Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. Um, where we try to put out um, content and um, interesting related material um, as we f as it surfaces and as it's relevant. Um, and then also there you can find our contact information and um, probably the best address was what? Social at highcoastfilm.se. We both uh, received that email, so. Yeah. Um, and then I think our Twitter is at highcoastfilm. Yep, and our right. Facebook is, I think, facebook.com slash highcoastfilm. Right. And our Instagram is at highcoastfilm. I believe so, yep. yeah. Hello, this is Rob again with a quick note on where you can find the explainer video for High Coast Film that we produced, and as well as the clip of All for Adventure that we discussed in this episode. Simply go to tinyurl.com slash hcp001. That's T-I-N-Y-U-R-L dot com slash H-C-P-001. You'll find the explainer video for High Coast Film, as well as that clip from All for Adventure that we discussed. I think we can promise in the next episode that we're going to have to start hashing out topics. Yeah, absolutely. And talking a lot about how you tell a story in a movie like this, and then we try to figure out what stories we're going to tell. There'll be a lot more arguing next time. No. <laughs> I think so, too. I mean, just uh, by way of a uh, forecast, uh, you and I have had the discussion about whether this movie needs to be political or not. Right. And um, I think that we're going to have a discussion about that. Yeah. <laughs> and not overtly political, necessarily, but right. I think that there are deeper messages here that need to be treated, and we can, we'll discuss that next time. Okay. Yeah. Sounds good. Well, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks very much, and uh, tell your friends about the High Coast Pod.